0: Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us on the We Thrive Podcast, where we share stories from entrepreneurs around the world about how they're creating an impactful legacy. I'm your host, Casey Clark, founder and chief growth officer of C. Clark Consulting, and today I'm interviewing Laura Johnson, owner of Hummingbird Wealth Management. So thank you so much, Laura, for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you as a guest. Thank you, Casey, for the opportunity.
1: Absolutely.
0: So tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: So um, like you mentioned, I'm the owner of Hummingbird Wealth Management. I uh, live here and operate our business out of Frederick County. Um, originally, I was born in Amarillo, Texas, moved to Maryland when I was a little child, spent some time in PG County, Montgomery County, and now I'm here in Frederick County. Absolutely love it. Um, been married to my husband for almost 29 years, happily for five, just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm and the mother of three beautiful boys, uh, I have a beautiful daughter-in-law, and we have a grandchild coming in January, so I'm very excited. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, so, I mean, it, and, um, you know, mentioned that I'm a, the owner of Hummingbird Wealth Management. I actually... Um, got started by accident. Uh, I worked for a financial institution down in Montgomery County, Sandy Spring Bank, for 27 and a half years. And in the beginning of my career, the bank decided that they were going to start an investment program. And at the time, I was the manager of their uh, headquarters in Olney. And every day I was helping people. Every day you know, I had clients coming in that had overdrafts or needed a loan. And so I just saw the investment side of things as another tool in my tool belt to be able to help my clients to accomplish their goals. And so I proceeded to get my investment license, licenses and continued to work with Sandy Spring Bank for a long time until I eventually left in 2012 and created Hummingbird Wealth Management. So that's how I ended up here today. Awesome. So, as you know, our podcast is called
0: We Thrive. So, what exactly does the word thrive mean to you?
1: You know, it's interesting that you're asking me that question because, you know, if you had asked me this question 20 years ago, thrive would have been something totally different than it is today. Um, I think with age and maturity and experience, uh, that absolutely does change it. So thrive in the past for me meant making as much money as possible and and building my nest egg and my empire although that's I don't know what an empire is but but that what it meant to me but t- today I think thriving and really probably for the last 10 or 12 years what thriving means to me is making a difference whether it be in my personal life or in my or in my business life is being able to take the time and really get to know the individual I'm helping, whether that be a client or friend or someone I just met on the street, and really understanding their situation, whether it's the same opinion I might have or, you know, we might have different religious backgrounds or different political backgrounds, but really taking the time to understand them and trying to help that person make a difference in their life. And so that's really a benefit of, of what I do because a lot of people think, as a financial advisor, investments, you're picking stocks, bonds, mutual funds, all that good stuff all day. And yeah, that is what I'm doing. But at the crux of what I'm doing is I'm helping people take the weight off their shoulders, maybe not completely, but partially, to be able to dream again. You know, I meet so many clients that are. I'll never retire. And that just breaks my heart. Um, you know, it's like, what, do you, what do you mean you'll never retire? Like, is that because you don't want to or because you don't think you can? Um, you know, and in my personal life, you know, really taking the time to help out a friend in need, um, or a stranger in need. And I think that's what thriving means to me. Now, that doesn't mean I don't want to grow. It doesn't mean I don't want to make money. Those things are important, but they really take a backseat, to to what 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 uh, fills my heart, so that's what thriving means to me.
0: I love it. It's like the epitome of what this podcast is about. I mean, I feel like as entrepreneurs, sometimes we get so caught up in oh, is my business making you know profit? Whether that's an increase in revenue or you know efficiencies, and sometimes we forget about the bigger picture. So um, it's awesome, you know.
1: Yeah, and it's Casey, it's, it, what you're saying is something that, that, is, uh, that hits me as well because I do work with a lot of clients, but then I also look at my children. My children are 19, 22, and 26, and um, I've, I've raised them with the uh, encouragement to follow your passion, not your paycheck,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that by following your passion, the paycheck will come. But if you're constantly looking for that job, that's going to make you, you know, $30,000 a year more than what you're doing now at somewhere in there, you're losing your why, why am I doing this? Um, And your only why is to pay your bills, you may, because you get kind of hung up in that. And I do the same thing with my clients is like, well, you know, I'm, you know, I've had clients that say to me, I'm thinking about doing this business. And I'm like, that's great. Talk to me about that. Where's your passion? What is it? What is it that excites you about that? Um, And I think a lot of times people just lose sight of that. So, Absolutely. So sometimes it's really easy to lose sight when we
0: start to have some struggles. So what are some things that you've faced as you have tried to thrive both personally and professionally?
1: Absolutely nothing. Nothing has gotten in my way. I'm just kidding. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's we have daily struggles. We have, you know, like you said, personal struggles. We've had um, professional struggles along the way. Um, I think it's what, what we do when those struggles were faced with those struggles. Um, one of the struggles I'm, is I'm a woman and, and, you know, this is a man's business. 7% of financial advisors are women and that's huge. It affects me not only when I'm meeting with clients, but also when I go to big corporate meetings where there's a whole bunch of financial advisors and I'm the only woman or one of only five in the room. Um, I just don't let it affect me. It's like, I am. I'm just as smart as everybody. You know, I'm just, I'm just as compassionate with my clients. Um, I've always been a big girl. So, you know, my weight's always been a struggle. It's something that I constantly monitor and try to do something about it. But, and, and I'm doing it for me though. I'm not doing it for, uh, my clients. I'm not doing it for my prospective clients or prospective partners. If, they wanna judge me by the color of my hair, my age, my sex, my weight, all that. that that's on them, it's not on me. Um, so when I think about your question though, there are two probably things that, that were big struggles for me. One is when I did work for the bank and I absolutely loved working for them. They were a, a huge benefit to my career and my growth as, an, as a person. But one of the reasons I left was because I realized when I woke up every morning, I was more concerned about meeting their goals, not mine. And that that battle in my mind went on for several years. And I w- really wanted to be independent. But when you've worked somewhere for 27 and a half years, it's, it's hard. It's like a marriage. You're breaking up. Um, and so that, that challenge definitely, um, that was hard in the end, God took it into his own hands and said, Laura, you're meant to do something else. And after 27 and a half years with Sandy Springbank, I was terminated. And I see that as a positive in my life, not a challenge in my life, because it gave me the opportunity to go off and do what it is I wanted to do, which is what I've created today. But I was so, you know, hung up in that ball and chain that I was associated with them and I still love them. It's not, you know, there's no, no ill will there. I, I, I appreciate the fact that they let me go. Um, but then when I got on my own, that, there, here comes the new challenge. You know, I went from an environment where I worked for 27 and a half years. I was known in this environment. I was respected in this environment. I had teammates that I could turn to when I had questions or concerns or things I just didn't understand. I had a support system. And then it came out here on my own. And it was Laura Johnson, Hummingbird Wealth Management. I didn't have a partner. I didn't have an assistant. I didn't have employees. I had, I didn't even have clients. And that that was a very depressing, dark place to be in. And it probably took me three months to figure out that. This was not going to work. I'm a very social person, um, and I need that support system. So I started reaching out to every networking group known to man to find a place for me. Um, and I was predominantly looking for places that were more women-oriented than anything. Um, but I was like, I don't care. BNI, sure. Women's Business Network, sure. Women's Council of Realtors, sure. I am. I'm in. Where do you want me? <laughs> because I need. I need this interaction. So those were probably the two biggest, but I mean, realistically, I think that we all face some kind of challenge every day. And in the end, it's how you handle that challenge. Um, there's only so much that I can control and the opinions of other people I can control to the extent that I'm, I, I deliver what I promise. I, you know, I I have high morals. I've had high ethics. I have high values. I'm a friendly person. But not everybody's going to like me any more than anybody's going to, not everybody's going to like my husband or my kids. It's just, you know, it's just human nature. And so if I can't control it, I can't control it. I don't get myself all festered and worried about it. Um, But I focus on me and I focus on my clients. And so I know I went in a lot of circles there, but. Oh,
0: you're (laughs) absolutely fine. I, I love it. And you definitely gave us some nuggets there. So with You know, talking about how you were able to overcome that, what are some of the resources that you use on maybe even a daily basis to get over those daily obstacles?
1: So one of the challenges of working from home is the distraction of, yeah. So like for the first three months, I showed up in sweatpants and t-shirts and just went to work. So that was one of the biggest challenges. One of the biggest things I changed is I have a schedule. You know, I'm in the office sometimes, as early as like 7 or 7.30, but no later than 8.30. Um, and I have to leave my office. I set a schedule for what time I have to be out. Um, it's very easy to stay in here until nine, ten o'clock at night. Um, I allow myself to have those distractions. You know, I am home, I hear the dryer buzz, and I will finish doing what I'm doing or finish the phone call I'm doing. I go in, I switch laundry, and I'm right back at work. Occasionally, I'll have lunch with my husband, not very often, but we do. Um, But I think that the biggest, so that's one of the resources is I I developed some structure. By developing that structure, what it allowed me to do is have more clear thoughts and a clear mind and know that I'm focusing on my my company and my clients, which then allowed me the opportunity to say, okay, what do I need? What What do I need? What does my company need? What do my clients need? and kind of developed either the products and services over time, increased my education over time. You know, we're highly regulated, have all kinds of continuing education that we need to receive, but I focused in on, it's not that I have to take it, it's I want to take it. What is it that I need to learn in order to be a better business owner, uh, to be a better uh, financial advisor for my clients, to be a better boss? Um, So, you know, I, I sought out education, in all kinds of forms, nothing, you're never too wise to learn, you're never too old to learn. Um, Like I said, I've been doing what I do for close to 30 years, but every day I'm learning something new. I mean, you can't not learn something new. The markets change, COVID happens, elections happen, all kinds of different things are impacting what it is that I do for a living. So I have to constantly educate, whether that be you know, reading a book uh, and, I, I, and nothing I do is really financially related. I have to do those things. So I, I seek out education in the form of communication, technology, marketing, um, client service. Those types of things are what I do. And so I do it through groups like Women's Business Network as an example. Um, I belong to Women's Council of Realtors. I go to a b meeting where I'm learning all kinds of different things from all these different companies. Um, and I take a course here and there when I can. <laughs> Last year, I haven't. Uh, you know, Frederick Community College etiquette class. Wow. I took etiquette so bad story on myself. God bless my mother. Uh, she passed away about a year ago, and she took me when we were campfire girls, so this is something different than Girl Scouts, uh, we went to an etiquette class where we learned how to walk properly and how to hold our head properly how to set a table please and thank you but so you would think she was that old school a woman's place but no she also taught me how to run a business and how to write contracts and how to demand what you're worth because my mother she was a licensed child care provider for 30 years out of her home and she wasn't your typical babysitter she was a businesswoman so um i obviously got off track there but i'm you know i'm constantly trying to to smooth my edges and expand my knowledge um and it's no matter what so when it comes to education this is the other thing i've learned too is that so as an example every year my broker dealer offers a a sales conference and so many times i've heard people at these sales conferences saying this is a waste of my time. Nobody's telling me anything new. And I'm like, but that's why, it's not, that's why it's worth your time. Because when you're going in, you're getting affirmation that what you're doing is a good idea. Because so many times what we do as business owners is we've been doing something for so long. We're not recognizing that the value in it or we're re- not recognizing that, okay, maybe, maybe we need to change this up. so a lot of times I'll take that education to say, okay, this is what I'm doing, but maybe I need to tweak it this way, or maybe I need to tweak, not, not completely just get rid of it or continue to go forward, but it allows me the opportunity to grow sometimes in millimeters versus miles. So, yeah.
0: And hey, as long as you're moving forward, I mean, that's progress is progress. So you have to start moving in some way. Right.
1: Exactly exactly
0: so So you've mentioned the women's council realtors and wbn and bni Uh, so talk to me about how your relationships and the connections that you've made and just your experience are you know helping you create a legacy and and tell me what a legacy is to you (laughs) a loaded question
1: (laughs) Yeah. So my kids don't want to do this for a living. So that legacy is not there. Okay. Um, so, uh and I'm glad for that. They're, they're following their passion. Like I asked them to do um, a legacy to me, I believe at this point would be that people acknowledge the impact that I had um, in their lives, both professionally and personally, um, that I left some kind of footprint or stamp on them in some way, shape, or form. And not necessarily a big one, but enough of one, a nugget of information or a nugget of love or support that I was able to give them at some point in their life. Um, I have a client in Colorado that I love him. Well, I love both of them. I love the husband and the wife. They are wonderful clients. And that's the thing. I have a relationship probably with 95% of my clients and the other 5%, it's just going to take some time (laughs) uh, because they're brand new to me. But, um, I worked with him probably 12 or 13 years ago and he came to me or his wife came to me and said, I need a financial plan so that we can help my husband understand we, we can retire. And I, you know, got a little bit of information from them and said, you don't need a financial plan. I, you know, I, and I charge a substantial amount of money for financial plans. And I was like, and this is, you know, part of who I am honest. I'm I'm a book. I'm an open book. You read everything. I said, you don't need a financial plan. And I said, you, you are in a position that you absolutely can retire. I said, just bring your husband and I'll, I'll explain it to him. She goes, no, he's going to need a financial plan. I said, okay, I'll do a financial plan for you. I think I charged them 5% of what I normally charge because I was like, this is really cut and dry. And sat down, so I took their information, presented with five, a financial plan. Now, normally my financial plans are like this thick. I think theirs was like this big because it was really that open and cut, uh, open and shut case. And so I um, presented it to him and he probably an hour and a half, two hours of questions and trying to poke holes. And I'm like, listen, this is really like I didn't need to do this financial plan. Let me let me show you a piece of paper and this is the way it's gonna work. I mean, like he really didn't mean to do this. So a year later he retired. Um, and the whole year, are you sure? Are you sure? Well, six months after he retired, let's let me take that back. Three months after they retired, they moved back to Colorado. They lived here in the state of Maryland, and went back to Colorado where their children—she had children, he had children—but um, their children lived there in Colorado. Three months after getting back to Colorado, they had um, four grandchildren between their children. Wow! And every year that I get on the phone with her because she's the primary decision maker. He goes is that laura and he grabs the phone and he wants to have a conversation with me and every single time we talk he says to me i i need to thank you talking to you i've been working with this man for 13 years every year like clockwork he gets on that phone and thanks me for what i did i didn't do anything this man worked his butt off he saved for his future he worked the right job to be able to retire But he thanks me and I think that that's my legacy is that not him specifically, but in professional world that I have clients that if they're able to take what's on their shoulders and adjust it or remove it to be able to feel better about themselves and their futures and um, to be able to dream again, that would be my legacy. Personally, I, you know, I think my legacy would always be I'm I'm there for you, whether you're friend or foe. Um, I've you know, I have a big heart. It's gotten me in some uncomfortable positions sometimes, <laughs> but uh, you know, I have a big heart and I'm a big giver. And um that's you know, I've ra- raised a lot of children who are not mine. A lot of kids call me mom um but it's i think that would be the biggest legacy so your part of your question was how do i use my experiences and my resources is that you know i i am not afraid to help people i'm not afraid to answer questions i don't look at you and say well in order to answer this question we need to sign a contract and you need to pay me five thousand dollars i'm not you know if we're just having a simple conversation you know Laura, I've heard that I need to get life insurance, but I don't know—is this really something? I'm gonna sit, sure, more than happy to sit down and have a conversation with you. And if you say to me, "Hey, I've got a life insurance agent," that's great, that's awesome. And I think that's that resource. You know, there's that that old adage: "Give what you want to receive, or treat others as you want to be treated." I live by it. Um, yeah. I really think that 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 goes a long way. So I got a lot of knowledge in this head. Um, I can't keep it all to myself, so I share it. But I think it's not only what's up here, it's also what's in here, and and I, I try to combine the two as much as possible.
0: Absolutely, and, and being a BNI member myself, I feel like, I mean, when I listen to you, the giver's gain comes to mind, and oh, yeah. I, yeah, I feel like you truly embrace that.
1: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely.
0: Yeah, and you can tell how passionate you are. Like just listening to you through, you know, the duration of this, I've gotten goosebumps twice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there you go. There's my legacy. I gave Casey uh, some goosebumps. So, well, thank you. I am very passionate about what I do. You know, I I truly, um, I truly believe that you know we have plans for our lives, and then God directs us the way He wants to direct us, and you know, um, I don't want to alarm anybody. I'm not a Jesus junkie, but I've had enough happen in my life to recognize that I'm in control, but really He's in control. And uh, me being terminated as an example from Sandy Spring Bank after 27 and a half years—I mean, I—I I was horrible. I was miserable. I was depressed. I was like, how? I mean, it was like a death or a divorce. It was—it was horrible. But as soon as I woke up from that fog and realized the opportunity in front of me, I realized this wasn't me, you know? And I've had many things happen in my life that way. I've had many things happen in my family's life that way that I think it's important to have a plan, but you have to be flexible and recognize that sometimes your plans need to be changed or just adjusted over time. And that's the same attitude that I take with my clients. It's the attitude I take with my family the attitude I take with my life you know there's I could I could take up all this time on your on this interview to tell you all the times that my life has been impacted in that way and I go okay well I tell people that I'm one of those people that God needs to take a crowbar to my head I'm not real I'm like okay yeah I think that's you but I'm gonna still keep doing this and then you know, pow all right, now are you listening? Oh yeah, that's right, that's right, I'm not in charge, so, but anyway, yeah, I am passionate just, just because, well, you know, I've been, I've seen a lot in 30 years of helping clients, um, but that thrill, it never goes away, of being able to look at a client and tell them, we're going to do this, we're going to find a way to make this happen, you know, I work with a lot of widows and a lot of divorcees, Um, a lot of young people who are frightened that they are not going to be able to support a family, um, given economic situations, or they're afraid that, um, they'll never buy a new home, uh, and have a home of their own. I mean, so it's, it's everybody. I mean, I've seen people through birth, death, and everything in between, and it's just, it's, I don't want to say it's a thrill, you know, I'm not a thrill, well, I am a thrill seeker, but not here. It's, it's not a thrill that I get, but it's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, I hold myself a little higher and pound my chest a little bit and say, I helped make that happen. All the work was on them, but I helped them. I helped them make, make them feel better about themselves and smile a little bit more. So that's Uh where my passion comes from. It's from them.
0: I love it. So you've given us a lot of nuggets so far, but do you have any particular nuggets that you'd like to share with our listeners that might help them thrive?
1: So there's a TED Talk on determine your why. I'm not even sure if that's the way it's uh, titled, uh, but there is one. And I watched that, I don't know, it's been a while. I want to say it was 10 years ago. It might've been longer. It might've been not so long. I'm old, so I don't remember. (laughs) <laughs> um, but it was interesting when I watched it, my husband shared it with me, because I was like, I've been saying this, like, why, did, why didn't I think of doing a TED talk and make all this money? You know, I have a lot of those, by the way. So I'm like, I was doing that. Why didn't I get an interview? And anyway, um, I think knowing what your why is, is so important. Why everything? You know, why am I going to this college? why am I studying this program in college, why am I taking this job, why am I wanting to start this business, you know, um, this, and, and this again goes back to my, my beautiful boys, is, is that, you know, following that passion and not the paycheck, your passion is your why, you know, my oldest son, um, he's a phenomenal salesperson, and he gets that from me, and, um, but, it, and I'm pausing for a second. The all three of my boys, since they were probably about five-ish years old, I knew what they were going to be when they grew up. First off, I knew they were going to be wonderful men, but as far as a career, I knew what they were going to be in some general sense, just but I just had to wait for them to get there. Um, and it's it's so it's such a blessing to watch that. Um Wyatt has always been, my oldest, has always been into athletics and sports and motocross. So he currently is the manager of a local gym and is phenomenal. And so he's followed that passion of athletics. Mm -hmm. Um, My middle son was always towing things around in our backyard, and I always thought he was going to be a tow truck driver. Well, he will be one day. Um but he's a diesel mechanic. And so again, still in that same realm. My youngest boy has always been into law enforcement and military. Smart as a whip, could do anything he wants, but his passion is law enforcement. And it's him I stop on. If you ask him why, especially right now, why do you wanna go in law enforcement? His answer is I wanna make a difference. And I'm going to get emotional. Sorry.
0: No, you're fine. And
1: as a mom,
0: sorry. No, you're fine. There go those goosebumps again.
1: <laughs> as a mom, that is just, uh, it scares the crap out of me that he wants to go into law enforcement. But his why, he wants. He wants to make a difference in the community he serves. He wants to be be there to help people, um, but he also wants to be there to help the law enforcement uh, officers of this world. He thinks, like I think, that if you can impact one person, you've impacted the world. And if he can make one person's opinion change, then he's done his job. All three of my children have a why, but it's that one that always gets me, because that's, that's to me, very important for me, but to see that it's become important for my child, um, I think that's the most important nugget that I can share, so I didn't expect to get emotional.
0: (laughs) I appreciate your vulnerability, and I mean, that's why I started this podcast. I wanted people to really dig deep and share, you know, what they truly believe, so I appreciate it. Thank
1: you, thank you.
0: Thank you. So, do you have any other thoughts that you'd like to share?
1: (laughs) Um, No other thoughts except for, you know, I'm here. So, if anybody needs something, whether it be professional or personal, just give us a call and we can see what we can do to help you out. Awesome. Well,
0: I love how, you know, willing you are to help everyone. And like you said, you're not like sign a contract and, you know, pay me $5,000. So, Um, You're definitely a giver. It's very obvious. So I I would absolutely, you know, love to express my sincerest gratitude for you for joining us and allowing our listeners to get a little inside look. And I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Stephen Lamar Moore, who created the music for our podcast. So thank you again, Laura. And it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank
1: you. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely.